So, Nicole, thanks for sharing with us today. So I'm just going to pray for you. Bless you. Lord, bless Nicole. Uh, thank you for the ways that um, you've been teaching her, and she's learned through the years to be content and even joy-filled um, with her circumstances and situations. Um, God, may, may you, through her, speak your word to us today. Um, bless her with peace and your presence as she stands up here before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. This summer marks the 20th anniversary of our move from Chicago to Madison. A move that we made not because of a job, but because of a church and its people. This church, Faith Community Bible Church, and these people, all of you, both past and present. In the spring of 2003, it became clear to Andrew and I that we were to move out of the house in Chicago where Andrew's grandparents had lived and raised both their, gran their children and their grandchildren, where we had cared for his grandmother, Dorothy, before her death. It was a place full of memories. But Andrew's uncle, the current owner, had started to put pressure on us to move. The housing market was looking promising, and the house was in a neighborhood that was quickly becoming a trendy place to live in Chicago. We spent about a month exploring the housing market in Chicago, but buying a house there wasn't possible, even with the assistance from Andrew's parents. I, I remember telling my sister during this time over a crackly, long-distance call to Ukraine that I would need to hear an audible voice for me to move out of the city that I loved. It was my heart home. The place where I began my journey into God's heart for racial reconciliation and social justice. Where I had been trained and mentored by creative educators and intervarsity ministers. Where I had seen God's kingdom in the city and our little vineyard church community. It was the birthplace of my children. But Andrew was also experiencing extreme burnout from a decade of teaching English and math in Chicago public schools. So we started looking in Wisconsin, around the Fox Cities, the area where my family lived. Rawhide Boys Ranch in New London was looking for an English teacher. Andrew seemed to be the perfect fit. He had four positive interviews, and we even made an offer on a beautiful home. But that dream died when Andrew did not get the job. The door had closed. The uncle insisted, however, that we move anyway, and not at Christmas, as had been previously discussed, but that very month. We were heartbroken and frustrated with this lack of flexibility. Our little vineyard church rallied around us in prayer. On the phone one Sunday night, a very dear friend, 
a worship leader with prophetic gifts, was encouraging me and saying, God could drop that job any minute. And literally, at that moment, across the room, Andrew, looking at the Appleton ads, sat up and said, whoa, word wrangler wanted, the ad from Epic Systems read, must relocate to Madison. A few nights later, I had a dream. Our family was painting the inside of a church with the help of other church members. And then I saw a red brick wall with a banner running along it. The banner read, established in a church. It wasn't our church people that I saw in the dream. But we thought, yes, Lord, we are so grateful to have been given the support of these wonderful people at City Vineyard throughout these years. The Sunday, that Sunday, the kids' Sunday school teacher asked how things were going with the moving plans. Well, I said, we've started thinking about Madison. Oh my gosh, Kelly Polash said. I've got chills up my spine. There is a church up there that's perfect for you. My dad is the pastor. Leaving Chicago, a place with family, his family and history, and moving to Madison with no connections, well, maybe some old colleagues from university, no apartment, the leasing company called the morning that we drove up with a truck and told us we weren't yet approved to move in. And no job, not even an interview, <laughs> didn't seem to make sense. But neither did living in my parents' basement. But there was this church in Madison with people who had a reputation of, of building a welcoming community. The next weekend, kind of on a lark, we drove to Madison to check out housing options. And just as we were getting ready to head back to Chicago, we decided to drive by Kelly's church. And as we drove down Regent Street, my breath stopped. The red brick wall, full of the windows overlooking the hospital, was the very one that was in my dream. We moved a month later. God established us at FCBC in the Eastside House Group with Dave and Marion Jones, with, Silver, with Pete Silver and Rocky Wenz and Bobette Rose and Dave Day and the Cooks and the Millers and the Haunties and the Ferdy Hurts and the Moors and the Browns and the Petersons and the Ramakers and the Bessenekers and the Crowsdales and so many, many others. You have all established yourselves with us. According to Acts 16, Paul came to Philippi on his second missionary journey after meeting more than one closed door. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia, 
and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do so. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul and Timothy went to that region, to the Roman city of Philippi, where they had no previous connections, and there they met Lydia, who believed the good news and invited them into her home. In my study of the book of Philippians, I came across two interesting bits of information. The first is that this is that the book of Philippians was the only epistle where Paul's primary purpose wasn't to correct, but simply to appreciate and encourage his fellow believers to press on. The second thing I read was that this, epi- that this epistle may actually be a bundle of several short letters to the Philippian church, collected together later. The passage I'm speaking on, which we call Philippians 4, 10 through 19, may have once been the first part of the letter. A thank you note, conveying Paul's love and gratitude for this little group of people that God established as his fellow believers. I mention this because it has helped me to rediscover this book with new eyes. Like Linda said last week, so many of these scriptures are beloved and memorized, but frozen in texts and in our hearing. When I think about Paul writing several letters to this church over a period of time, it puts the emphasis on relationship. I would like to believe that both Paul and the Philippian church looked forward to getting news from each other. Similar to how excited I get, I am when I get a note from my future daughter-in-law or the joy we all have when receiving Christmas letters. The more I have read this book, the more I see us, FCBC, like the church at Philippi. Because of these similarities, I have written you a letter. Not because I have any position above you, but as a co-laborer. I believe that is how Paul wrote to the Philippian church as well. July 30th, 2023. Dearest Faith Community Bible Church, it is with great joy that I write to you today. Our little Wetzel family has been worshiping and building community with you for 20 years. Yes, I find that hard to believe. In these past 20 years, you have helped us move to two different places. You have given us tickets to water parks, clothing, Christmas trees, and even a car. You welcomed, nurtured, taught, baptized. We moved furniture and chairs, shared meals, taught children, shared books, studied scripture, prayed, and prophesied. 
you fed us, did our laundry and grocery shopping, and cleaned our house for 10 weeks while I was on bed rest with Gwenna. You have employed our children. We have borrowed your tools and claimed some of your stuff that you no longer wanted, sharing everything as best we know how. Together, we have lost friends and welcomed new life. From the very beginning of our time with you, we have been fully welcomed at the table. Within a year of us moving here, we were painting the church with you. In, sometimes, in times of poverty and struggle, we ask for prayer and help. We have led house groups, preached sermons, written plays, and built prayer rooms. We have grieved together, struggled together, and celebrated together. As we have journeyed together, I have noticed how we value and acknowledge each other's voices. We have welcomed university students, health professionals, university staff, rich and poor, old and young, men and women, people of varying temperaments, ability, education, and gifting. Not only have many been welcomed into our body, but their gifts have been beautifully folded into us, making us ever more layered. Many of you have a wonderful way of blowing life into these gifts. You see, you notice, you support, and with humility and with courage, you invite. Not counting authority as something to be grasped by leaders, you step out of the way and let another lead worship, serve communion, greet visitors, join the prayer team, run the soundboard, make art, preach. We participate with one another as we participate in Christ. Though we have learned to endure everything with contentment through the one who strengthens us, as Brother Paul says, yet it was good of you to share our troubles. Your gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. My dear sisters and brothers, friends and siblings in Christ, you have truly been family for us. It has been right and good of you to share our troubles. Your gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And I believe that we have been family for you. We were placed among you, literally called to join you in the work that we are doing here in Madison and in the world. As I ponder and pray for each of you, I am reminded that many of you have likewise been called to walk with FCBC. Knowing that so many of us were led by the Spirit 
to journey with this group of people, both here and out there, has made me really curious. Why did our Lord call my family to journey with your families? Why did God call you to be with us? What do each of us gain by journeying together? And can we trust God's call? There are many voices that strive to make Christians mistrust one another. And at times, maybe we can be too arrogant or impatient or self-confident or anxious to trust those God has called to help us with their presence, their stories, their wisdom, their gifts. My sisters and brothers, I think we've bo- we, have, we have grown both weary and wary and have stopped listening to one another because it's not easy to do so. There is so much to discern. Being called to help one another may lead us into strange lands and new communities with customs foreign to ours. It's easier, quicker, simpler, clearer, more reliable to sit in negativity and confident judgment or to hide ourselves defensively instead of seeking the true and good and pure and lovely in each other's lives and testimonies. But if we have faith in God's calling, if we look for the spirit of Jesus to strengthen us in every circumstance, we can choose to forget to reject those voices of no and the false witness that tempts us to break fellowship with one another and lean faithfully, even joyfully, into the yeses, the place that God is going ahead of us to bring us together. Today, I urge us to come together again, to remember to tell our stories without anxiety and learn to listen well. To take joy in being called together and be confident that God is in this place with us. Let us remember the baptisms in pools and hot tubs, the lessons and carols every Christmas, the Swedish breakfast fundraisers complete with Sven and Ollie jokes, the potlucks and the dances. Like Paul, let us rejoice together in the ways we've seen provision and we're able to provide for others. As we remember our past, let us recommit to trusting those stories that we each bring. that have made us a body rich in the spirit and content in God's love. Let us remember our calls to this body 
to one another. And in faith, let us boldly walk into the unknown future together. I truly cherish each of you and rejoice that our lives and stories have been and continue and are continuing to be intertwined. I continue to be filled with gratitude for all that we are together and look forward to sharing our legacy to all that are called to us in the future. Your sister, Nicole.